I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. In episode 134 of the Food About Town Podcast, Ian Atwood from Strange Bird Brewing came over to the studio, and we talked all about Strange Bird and his circuitous path, or cyclical path, to be here in Rochester working for Strange Bird, which is one of the newest and, uh, in my eyes, as well as my friends over at the Beer Review Journal, is really just one of the premier breweries in the region and a consistently well-executed product. So I highly recommend you go over and check them out over in the Old Abundance uh, co-op location uh, over off of Monroe. So um, really easily accessible. So go check that out. Um, you can buy them at a few places in Rochester, but right now you can order that direct go on their website buy and pick it up at the garage. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Ian Atwood and a little guest appearance at the end. And go visit Strangebird. Enjoy the summer, stay safe, and if you have the chance, go to the city newspaper website, vote for Food About Town for Best Podcast, and vote for all of your favorites. This is that time of year again. So always appreciate the support and look forward to seeing what everybody's thoughts are for best everything in this pandemic year. And now to the episode with Ian Atwood from Strange Bird Brew. All right, we're back with another episode of the Food About Town podcast on a steamy Rochester weekday. And guest, why don't you introduce yourself live in studio? Also, as always, any guests in the Food About Town studio have been fully vaccinated. I didn't check his card, but I do believe him. <laughs> Introduce yourself, sir. I've got my Excelsior Pass right here. Oh, it's me. great. I love the Excelsior <laughs> Pass. My, my name is Ian Atwood. I am the uh, bar manager slash outside sales manager for Strange Bird Brewery. Ah, Strange Bird Brewery. Why don't you explain, before we dive into all the other things, what is a Strange Bird Brewery and where does it live? We are located at uh, 75 Marshall Street, just down the street from Marshall Street Tavern and Owl House of which I'm a former employee as well. We just opened up our doors in late January with our first can release. We had to kind of <laughs> sashay into that. That wasn't part of the original plan, but who's who's doing their original plans anyway right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and we'll, we'll definitely talk some more about that because it's such a big part of the story because of timing. Um, but um, before we... Get in. So, what what is Stranger Brewery about, and what is what's the what's the mentality of the brewery? Because we have so many breweries here in Monroe County and the city of Rochester now. What what is what's Strange Bird's message to people? Why why should people go there? Well, I, I'd say it's threefold right now. Um, number one, we we like to do yeast driven beers that are accessible, drinkable. And just kind of a throwback to the more traditional kind of Belgian style of brewing. Uh, estery, lots of like spicy notes to things. I mean, we, we do everything right now, which is because that's kind of what the uh, the market dictates. But So real wide ranging from, from you know, like you said, Belgians, because people making Belgians in the breweries are pretty uncommon mm -hmm. unless you're really focused on it. Right, right, right. And with the uh, the pedigree of brewers that we have right now, it's we have the opportunity to be kind of 
esoteric in those types of beers and also just be able to produce like excellent quality IPAs, kettle sours, gozas, you know, things like that, that people are really just going for right now. Yeah. So it seems to me now I'm going to give you my interpretation based on what I've seen. I've only sampled a few things before today. So I'm going to give you my interpretation. You tell me that I'm completely full of shit or if I've captured the essence correctly. I've, I've never held back on you. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So um, my interpretation when I've seen Strange Bird is, is it is a modern brewery that's not 100% trend chasing, but is seems like committed to executing everything they do with a lot of respect and a lot of high-end technique i'd say that's fairly accurate you know every once in a while you hit the nail on the head (laughs) so the reason i say that is because it's not and not to say anything against the breweries that are exactly on trend at the moment meaning you know the you know the the milkshake sours the huge adjunct um stouts and things like that super popular delicious Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Um, But this is kind of, for the ones I've tried personally, I think the name of the game is balance. It seems like balance is the real hallmark of what the style of the brewery is to me. It is. I mean, um, both of our brewers uh, come from large production facilities. They've done it all. They know how to break things down, be able to get the most out of the ingredients that they use. And now that they're on a um, smaller scale, they're taking the opportunity to really focus more on those uh, specialized ingredients instead of just being able to X amount creates a Y amount of beer. They can kind of just really throw more of their personal ideas and recipes out there using that very productive background and flipping that kind of on its head to really be efficient in their creativity, basically. Yeah. So maybe a little less formulaic and a little more finesse. Yes. Which is, I'm sure, kind of interesting. So their backgrounds, now I'd heard a couple of things, but I don't remember all the details. Like the backgrounds are like real major national breweries. Absolutely. Our our owner brewer is named uh, Mika Kraczynski. He... Started out in a uh, brew pub, Capital City, in um, D.C. Went from there to the uh, UC Davis program for uh, brewing. It's basically internationally recognized as just one of the top programs. I mean, UC Davis generally. So if you bring up beverage management here in the U.S., whether it's wine or otherwise, UC Davis is kind of one of the gold standards. Absolutely. So he... He jump-started, or he jumped from that to being um, one of the uh, main brewers at Dogfish Head. So he's been there for the past roughly five, six years, I believe. Before, Which, you know, obviously, yeah, <laughs> one of the name, and it's it's weird now that you see all this, all the Dogfish Head like in stores. I'm sure you recall when people were chasing Dogfish Head as one of it was like the it was the it beer mm-hmm. uh, for like just when I started. Um, it was still one of the chased beers every year. Yeah, but just a 60-minute, 90-minute, 120. Those, you don't even have to finish out the name. Like, everyone who drinks beer knows that just just based on those 
kind of legend. <laughs> yeah. Right, kind of legend mm-hmm. in of itself, even though now it's significantly more available than it's ever been. But that doesn't mean it's any less good as it was. No, certainly not. And I think that's that's something that we can, you know, dive into as well. Because <laughs> that's yeah. But that's, you know, part of the ethos of the modern brewery chaser is new is the only thing versus mm. refreshing the classics. Anyways, so that's one brewer, and then we talked you have another one. Yeah, um Mika came back to Rochester. His his wife Dina went to high school with one of our other um, owner operators, Jeff Ching, who I've been in business with for a long time. He was one of the uh, first people that hired me in Rochester. Like I said, I worked at Owl House. He helped open up that along with um, a few other places <laughs> I've worked here in town. Yeah, I mean, Jeff's one of the, I, I'd say not unsung because, you know, there's more, you know, I'm not sure people know Jeff as much, but he's been involved in so many good places in town from there to Swoberger to, you know, it's he's kind of all over the place and really does a good job. Oh, absolutely. And so Mika decided he wanted to venture out, do do his own brewery with his wife, and they figured Rochester was a great town to do that because we had a, a burgeoning scene, which has been you know talked about at all on on this podcast among oh, many others around for sure. town. And I mean, we're all also getting you know nationally recognized as of late too, which is excellent. Well, is, and national breweries, you know, trendy breweries coming to town yeah. to open outposts. I mean, that's the fact that that happened is indicative of how, um, I don't know what the right word to call our local beer scene. It's it's constantly at a fever pitch. Yeah, I was, I was going to say fervent for sure. Yeah, it's, it is a fervent fan base. It's really assertive and amazingly dedicated. And... I would I would say not too trendy, but they recognize quality throughout the country. I mean, there there's people who trade in and out, and like I'm able to try great stuff around the country. But that's because of the the friends I have within the scene, and I feel like almost almost everybody has just a very discerning palate, and it just really helps like I said, the region grow. And I think that's shown a whole lot in these past, you know, few years. Absolutely. And not only has the quantity grown, the variety has grown, the quality has grown. I mean, and not just the places that are coming in, you know, fresh faces like strange bird and otherwise, I mean, the quality we have locally now is equal to anywhere in the country. If, if not right near the top, it's Absolutely. really top notch, excellent stuff. Um, so that's one, that's one part of the brewing team. So the other, so the other part was, is, is that the main brewer? Oh, um, I w- they're equal. Okay. Equal. And as far as like production goes, um, our, our other brewer is, um, you may have heard of him if you've <laughs> been in touch with the beer scene for a few years. That's, uh, Eric Salazar. Uh, he, he came in from new Belgium. He also had a, a local tie, to the region moved back here a couple of years ago. And for some, <laughs> some, in some serendipity ended up uh, partnering with us uh, a little over a year ago. And it's been working with us since. And his specialty, his specialty, he basically helped pioneer the first uh, wood aging program in, in the United States. 
with a uh, new Belgium, which is to hear something like that and have that kind of pedigree here in town and with that focus, which means that's not an easy focus. Mm. I mean, it's always evolving. He's in a different, it's a different environment, you know, different, different actual environment because this kind of aging is very dependent on environment. Yeah. We have two, two, we, we keep them in separate rooms basically. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> completely. And it's, also um a big investment being you know having that as a focus is a big financial and time investment into something that doesn't immediately pay off absolutely and in, that's kind of the uh, the beauty of it but it's also it's <laughs> it's a double-edged sword for sure like if you if you do it right then you've got just one of the most complex crisp drinkable you know, with it with barrel aged beer you could give you know 50 different descriptors and it, it can fit every single one of them that's that's kind of the beauty of it because you don't exactly know what you're going to get at the end of it now for those that aren't as deep of beer nerd when we talk about barrel aged, what are some classic barrel aged style beers that people may be more familiar with i mean you've got your Wild, wild fermented sours like a goose, like a Tilkin or Cantillon, things like that. Those are all barrel aged, spontaneous fermentation. Um, another part of barrel aging is taking a a beer that you've already made, already gone through a single fermentation, and then just putting that in a different style of beer or different style of barrel, and it will the barrel will impart different flavors based on what kind of barrel you're putting into that beer. Right. So for, so for that could be a, you know, bourbon barrel finished stout or something like that, which is obviously one of the more extreme styles Mm -hmm. of barrel finishing with how dominant that flavor can be because you're bringing in huge proof and everything else, but that can be many softer things as well. Absolutely. You can, um, one of our, our first barrel aged beer that we put out at Strange Road was called Salas. It was a wild dark saison. So before the brew house at the brewery was in operation, we did a a dark saison at Rock Brewing. They were kind enough to let us play around on their brewery while we were waiting for ours to get set up. We went in there, brewed this dark saison, and then put it in barrels for. A little longer than we anticipated, just because of the uh, <laughs> the uh, construction delays, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it turned out to be um, a good thing <laughs> because we took that year-old beer, brewed a fresh batch of that same recipe, and found a a good blend between the two mixed them together and bottled those with um, a little bit of a secondary fermentation and it basically created magic. It was wonderful. That's really interesting too, because that, that kind of blending is where you can really find a lot of interest. And I've been spending more of my time with spirits recently versus beer, but you know, I've seen more of that as well, where you get something that's, you know, you blend in a longer, you know, an older, um, like an older bourbon, for example, has 
big wood notes and big this and big that, and you blend it with something younger to keep that vitality. And you're talking the same kind of thing where you're, that long age might be overwhelming on its own, but blending it with the, um, with the unbarrel aged, maybe a completely different thing and making that balance seems like kind of the fun part. Yeah. The, the blending was the fun part. Cause you get to, you're basically pulling, pulling little notes from each little barrel and you're like, Ooh, this one's a little too far gone. Let's, we ba- you basically say like, we're going to take 25% from this barrel, 30% from this boom, boom, boom. And until you find really the right blend. And that's where, um, Eric's for forte is. And so having him on the team and having the ability to really pull these kind of spontaneous things together into something that feels like fully thought thought over is just, it's a really, really great experience. Yeah. So we, we talked about beer and before we finish what's in our glass. <laughs> um, so which, um, so Ian was nice enough to bring over a few samples. Um, which are we trying right now? This is um, basically on the other end of the spectrum of what we were just talking about. This is our basically premium American lager. Um, other beers you might find in this category, like your, your traditional domestic lagers, like a Labatt Blue or a Budweiser. This is our, what we, we call Bird Light. Yeah, and this is, um, we've been sipping on it, and it's one, Super crisp, easy, you know, grain, citrus, but completely clean. There's no off flavors. There's no cardboard. There's no anything else. This is just, you get a little bit of grain, you get citrus, you get light. It's really pleasant. Maybe a little bit of, a little bit of grapefruit, you know, but not, not like real grapefruit, just mm-hmm. like, just the wispy. Yeah. Just the, it's wispy citrus, yeah. not like real citrus. <laughs> yeah. If we, we we lagered it for not as long as you would um, traditionally, and which kind of allows a little bit more of those um, fruity estery notes in the yeast to come out. Really subtle, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's enough to like, ooh, kind of like dance on your tongue and keep you interested. But it's also a perfect beer for the day we had today. Like, you're you're getting a little sultry. You just finished mowing the lawn, and you oh, I need to. Ki- Kick ice back cold. and have at least at least two of these. Yeah, oh, yeah, ice cold. No, I could absolutely see this being, you know, not to be fully comparing, but like I could see this being the, uh, you know, the Jack's Abbey, the light Jack's Abbey uh, post shift. Mm-hmm, post shift. I yeah. could see it being that for the brewery because there's no reason this shouldn't be on all the time. You should always. This is a great thing to have. I, I would not. I would not be surprised if we eventually did thirty racks of this. Yeah. No, and that's that's a great thing. But I could also see, you know, I could see this going in a further sour direction. I could see this going with lime and salt too, you know, not that far off from, you know, a well-made goes. I could see it going in that direction because there's almost just this tinge of sour to it, which, and it's so light. Well, your, your prognostication is um, <laughs> quite on point because we will be doing a, a variety on this beer uh, very soon. Um, I don't know if it's uh It kind of plays really well. We've got at least a couple weeks before this comes out. Yeah. But <laughs> oh, well, then buy the uh, bird, bird light yuzu, then. <laughs> We're going to oh. be adding some yuzu fruit to it. So. I mean, that's that's an ex- – I love yuzu. It's so uniquely flavored. 
And it's hard because you can't say, hey, go buy a Yuzu at Wegmans and try it out. Because <laughs> uh, it doesn't exist. You can't actually buy fresh Yuzu because it's not really grown here. No. It's amazing. Um, but it's kind of perfect for that. It, mm-hmm. it almost needs, like it almost wants that citrus. Perfect, yes. Like it's really balanced for it, which is really cool. Um, but Strange Bird, and the part where I first heard about it, heard about it is... Um, as you and I have talked about before, I am a pizza nerd of the highest order. And I had first heard about this when somebody, I think it was probably Rory over Rory Van Groh over at Ugly Duck, mentioned that somebody's going to be starting a brewery pizza place in the old Abundance co-op space on Marshall. I'm like, when the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, this is reminiscent of a lot of places I know, pizza, beer, you know, perfect combination but everything i'd heard was serious beer serious pizza as well as whatever else the kitchen is doing but um that's the other part of strange bird right we've got food coming at some point as well oh we're gonna have some crazy food coming too we do have a um a custom brick oven that we've we have installed i guess it's not so much custom as customized. We've got like some cool tile on the on the side. It's it's going to be a, a nice feature for the open kitchen that we're going to have there. Uh, running our kitchen is going to be uh, one of my good buddies, Nate Stahl. He's, as much as our brewers have great pedigree, I feel like he has almost the same here in town. He's been with uh, the Wegmans family for a long time. It's where I first uh, ran across him um, when I was... I mean, that, that kitchen at next door just had just an exceptional, I mean, almost always does, has an exceptional amount of talent going through mm-hmm. that place. Um, you know, one of my favorite chefs in town was, you know, was Paul Vroman was there and Sean, o- Sean O'Donnell was there and, and Nate was there. And it was like, oh, this is just an insane amount of talent all mm-hmm. at once. Yeah, I first, I first met Nate when we uh, worked together at Owl House and obviously with with the cuisine that we had there, he, he fit in perfectly and we stayed in touch over the years after I moved away from Rochester. He'd Very been a, disappointing by the yeah, way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm back. All right. <laughs> all my fans clamoring. Yes. Made me, made me move back. We you were know. just hammering on trash cans and you heard it from down there. We turned our rally caps around for, just for you. Rally come back. So, I mean, the, I mean, that's doing pizza in a place, but not just this isn't, you know, this is going to be, I know he's been working on, you know, naturally fermented and, you know, local ingredients, but that's, it's an ambitious food program for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And yeah, pizza is just going to be a, uh, a drop in the bucket there. It's, I mean, it will be, of course, featured, but it's, that's going to be, just just one element of a multi-faceted, multi-layered, excellent menu of which I've seen many variations of. I oh, think I'm there's sure. like four four different options we can go with depending on how things go. To start, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and I think that's well, I think the important part is this has a very distinct vision. And a lot of places are opening up and just trying and you know, hey, we're making beer and we'll we'll have some snacks. This is a very thought out, ambitious vision of what a modern brewery can be here in Rochester. I, I think is really what it comes down to. This is this isn't a project taken on lightly. No, absolutely. And 
like you said, with um, a region as great as ours and with um, sent with Rochester being kind of the uh, central focus on it, us being so close to basically the center of town, I think is almost um, kind of indicative of, like you said, what our vision is. We like, we want to have all these aspects of the, you know, great things that are happening all around us. And we want to be right there in the middle of it. Yeah. Quite literally. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, um, and I did want to touch on because, you know, this, this whole open has been so, it's almost been like a six month soft open (laughs) in a lot of ways because this project was started, was conceptualized. And then basically pandemic hit during construction, right? which was, I'm sure a big kick in the teeth for everybody involved. Yeah. Cause we're, we're canning right now. And like we mentioned earlier, just that wasn't part of the original plan. We were going to be able to, we wanted to get everything open, get things in kegs and just sell everything right there from, from the, the restaurant right. tap room to, to bring everybody, you know, but that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty common. Cause you want to bring people in and it's, you know, going to be a cool space and, you know, have the whole experience of going in because canning is great, but you don't have to do it right away, but Mm. didn't really have a choice, unfortunately. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Fortunately for, for us, we, like I said, we are centrally located. We have um, a lot of good friends who are notorious beer drinkers. So they've been very, very, um, happy to um, buy beer from us, which is great. And then it's also fortunate. I do um, have a a small background in, in beer sales as a um, representative for um, a distribution. I was one of a a Rhino sales rep for, for um, about a year, a few years ago. And so one of my big jobs then was to get our beers into new places all around the region. So I made some really good, connections through there and through that have been able to use those relationships and we we do have our beer wholesaled in um, a few select spots around town which i mean yeah it, it, in this kind of situation you don't really have a choice you have to you have to do what's going to keep you alive until you can open the doors again mm-hmm. which you know it's happened to so many places um so many places in town that pivoted to pivoted to survive um, restaurants and breweries and everyone else that couldn't have guests come into the building anymore. How do you stay open for, you know, going on now 18 months <laughs> of varying regulations and everything else? How, how do you, how do you keep the doors? I mean, how do you keep the lights on? Can't even say keep the doors open because the doors weren't open. No. <laughs> um, except for the garage door over in the parking lot. Right. <laughs> um, but it's it's fascinating to me that this is, you know, this the brewery opening story is so tied to the pandemic, which you know, is obviously not what anybody would have ever wanted, but you know, it builds a different kind of builds a different kind of respect, and I think builds a different kind of uh, um, different kind of hype than you would probably have originally thought. Yeah, we are um, slowly trying to re rekindle the hype train so to say yeah because you know we, with uh being 
open just like five five months now, only only selling cans out of the garage with, like I said, a limited uh, distribution. It's it's been a a challenge, so to say, just to keep keep the interest up. I guess within the beer world, but I think that's all about to change. We're we're about to really ramp up construction, and I think we can really, really, really get the hype train going again. No, and that's that's exciting, and it's you know I it's it's never it's never fair to ask for dates, yeah. but the kind of thing that um, if people follow all the you know Strange Bird social media media accounts. Um, by the way, where where can people find Strange Bird on social media? It's pretty pretty consistent, right? Yeah, just um, Instagram is a Strange Bird Beer, all all one word, and and it's this. You can look for us on Facebook doing the same. Um, I I would put a space between <laughs> Strange yeah. Bird and Beer on Facebook, however. But pretty available on social media, and pretty you know that's if you're looking for can releases, what's coming up next. Obviously, you can go to the website, but you know, it's everybody goes to, you know, Facebook and Instagram first, whatever comes to all that. Yeah, absolutely. I, we, we definitely do uh, shout outs and news all on, um, on the social media before we throw it on our website too. Yeah. So when hopefully people will be able to see when, the when official openings and grand opening, whatever else ends up coming down the line and special releases, they'll be able to find all that on social media, which, Obviously, people are very excited about, and mm-hmm. I know I'm excited about coming in and checking the whole place out, but I know it's definitely a process. <laughs> it's never it's never quite as it seems no, when you're no. when you're starting a place up i've i I went through waiting on the construction for Playhouse too, and it's the same <laughs> it's I, I remember quite the same beast. I remember Brian coming over and telling me telling us about the uh, uh episode of you know two, three years ago, whenever that was when that first opened telling me stories about that whole <laughs> whole saga oh, and i'm yeah. sure there's plenty of uh plenty of exciting stuff with that at the new place as well and it's it's like lord of the rings with the all these restaurants are opening up <laughs> <laughs> all right so um we're going to take a brief break uh we're going to uh refill our glasses and we'll be back uh in a few minutes with more This episode of the Food About Town podcast is brought to you by Curate. Go to curatemeals.com to buy our upcoming event on 818 with the Rochester Education Foundation. We also have our event for early September up for sale on the website. Uh, We've had some amazing food from a lot of small restaurants here in Rochester uh, that have gone really well. And we're looking forward to expanding into all different kinds of cuisines. So this next one will be a charity-focused event with Rochester Education Foundation on the 18th. So go to curatemeals.com or at curatemeals on all of your favorite social media. Hope to have you for our next event on August 18th. And we're back. We've refilled our glass and... I've got questions. Ooh. <laughs> so what have we refilled our glass with? This. Mr. Ian Atwood from Strange Bird Brewing, 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 Christ, Brewing at um, on Marshall Street in the heart of Rochester. He's not lying. That is me. <laughs> we are sampling now the latest release of our Pillowhead series, which is a, um, 
a rotating Saison series. And this is our Citrus Blossom version of that. Now, Saisons and I have a interesting history. So one of the more, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, now one of the more prominent Saisons, although it's not really labeled as such, would be Allagash White is a example of that kind of beer. Or is there, am I stretching? I, w- I will correct you Please, you do. are wrong. Great. Um, Allagash White I'm is, happy to be wrong. <laughs> it is um, of a Belgian variety, but it is a um, Belgian wit beer. Um, so, What is the difference between a wit beer and a Saison? A wit beer is a um, wheat-based. A Saison can be wheat-based, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, wits are traditionally brewed with orange peel and coriander. Okay. And so traditional styles in that regard are um, Who Garden is one of the well more well-known ones. Um, you'll see just anything like Blue Moon is basically trying to be a uh, B- Belgian wit. So whenever people come around to like places that I've worked and they're like, oh, what do you have that's similar to a Blue Moon? Allagash, Allagash White is one that I always... Okay. steer them towards. So it's almost like a wit is a subsection of a saison if we're talking about a family tree. Like it's a specific version of it. I w- or do you think you it could- just lies in a different tree part of Belgian? Belgian Belgian beer is like my least known and generally least liked like subsection of beer, like it's right near the bottom mm-hmm. and then probably closely followed like up the chain by like barley wines. Um, but that's like Belgians are typically right at the bottom. And the reason, and again, I can tell when something's well made, this is exceedingly well made. But my problem is chapstick taste. This tastes, it smells like medicated chapstick to me. <laughs> and what I can say is that the smell is really clean, other than that part of it. The citrus part is really balanced. It's got that bitter citrus zesty uh, factor to this. And the palate's really well balanced. I don't like it. (laughs) But that's not because it's not well made. It's because I just generally don't like the style nearly as much. Like, yeah, traditionally, Saisons in Belgium were brewed simply for the workers after a, a long harvest. They would... They would basically drink it because that was the cleanest thing they would be able to drink at the time. And they would throw in old fruits, old barley, any any sort of things that were left over from the harvest. They would put it together and use that to drink. And so it's almost like a uh, an amal- amalgamation of all the these different yeast strains and malts and grains just like you can the the yeast itself has been more or less isolated now okay but in, in in traditionally that's that's what it was now a saison uh you the the most indicative like probably most well-known version of a saison is uh from du, uh, brasserie de dupont which is also from Bel- Belgium. And that, it does have those like weedy characteristics like you were talking about through an Allagash White, 
but the the yeast strain is more um how do I put this kind of direct okay and so you know you kind of know what you're getting with with that because it's going to be extremely palatable um a, a little bit of a extra carbonation on these and you really get a more floral and just clean clean finish on, okay. on the newer style of saisons. Yeah. So, and the other thing I was just getting on the nose, which is something I wasn't expecting to get, was some roastiness. Although it's not a, by no means is this a dark beer, but there's some like, like toast notes, like toasted grain. Mm-hmm. Like it's not dark at all, but there's some. There's that bare amount of like toasted and toasted nut aroma, which is actually, that's super pleasant. And it's just, just a little bit. And yeah, with, with, I believe with our, um, malt bill on this, there's a little bit of a, uh, toasted grains. And so you kind of get that, that wow, look, look at, look at, you me. know, look that, at me, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that caramelly <laughs> Maillard, uh, process. And it's really nice. Cause it's still like that part. I'm really enjoying cause it still plays really light and crisp. And to be honest, my palate's now filtering out a lot of that chapsticky part. And again, I I say that just because for me, it's I'm so attuned to it. Like I hunt for it. I know it's there. <laughs> um, but that toastiness is actually really pleasant because this is still a you know light golden straw colored beer. You know, not clear, but it's like really it still plays light, but with some of those roastier characteristics i mean subtle back Mm -hmm, end mm -hmm. this is again very well balanced and indicative of everything i've tried from strange rare i think the other stuff i tried i tried the um i tried the russian bear fight the the one with cherries in it Mm -hmm. and that was phenomenal really enjoyed that i think i tried one of the other um the heavier releases i think it was a 10 percent release it was a can the was that the uh, the, might have been a barley wine. the barley wine yeah mm-hmm. also really good, um, and the design on the labels is fantastic. I love the house style when it comes to those labels. Really cool. Yeah, our our label designer's name's uh, Chad Groman. He's um, an illustration professor at RIT. Uh, he's a f- friend friend of the brewery, and it was obviously a great find. And I feel that he's been very very important to our our growth honestly because that's one of the first things that a lot of people see and one of the first things a lot of people mention to me when they either come up to the garage or when I'm bringing over samples to different places like wow these labels look so cool and I'm like well it makes it makes everything that much easier to sell and I think it's just another layer of the beautiful sandwich we have going on at Strangeford. Yeah, and it's it's weird because I I had a first my first um thought when I saw it. And it's and my wife corrected me quickly because it wasn't it's reductive for what it actually is. Because of the simplicity and elegance of the graphics and the bold colors, it reminded me of and it's it's a bad comparison, I, I admit ahead of time. But it reminded me of Atari 
it reminded me of really polished modern Atari style graphics is big, bold lines, you know, wide, you know, somewhat chunky, but really refined at the same time. And that boldness of the graphics reminded me of that. There's a better comparison. There was, there was a game on, there was a, like a Apple game that was early on. There was like limited graphics and it was like, it's the minimalist modern games, you know, independent developers. Mm Mm-hmm. They, you can't develop the resources to do the you know AAA style video games, but you can have beautiful minimalist, elegant colors thought out well, and cool design from it. And that that's what it reminds me of is, it doesn't have to be over designed to be cool and interesting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Now that you say that, I I love I love that comparison because a lot of our beers have that like traditional ombre in in their their color palette and now like i'm I'm looking back on like these old atari cartridges that i've seen and you like you like attack and you know minor 1949 or all had like those that same style of design that's a that's a very apt comparison yeah and it's as soon as my, i said it my wife yelled at me but I, I corrected myself because I, I had the right intentions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if if the designer was here, he might slap me across the face. Um, but it was, you know, kind of, it had this very specific, this just reminded me. And it was like, to have something that evocative and that, you know, simple, that that's cool. I love that. I love something like that. That's just really, this is nice. Um, and it, it fits, again, it fits the whole style. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we're talking about beer. What's, we're going to go off of beer. So Ian and I, we met, so we met at, did we meet at curling? I believe it was at the Rochester curling club. So we met at the Rochester curling club. And then I think we discovered like, Oh, a lot of our interests run across each other. Like not one or two, like five, six different interests all ran across um, like, oh, you're in the restaurant thing. Oh, you're into this. Oh, you're into that. <laughs> yeah, the fact that we we reeled off about three to four different Atari 1800 <laughs> games probably uh-huh. says a lot about it. So, yeah, I met, met Ian Curling, and I remember, I think we were talking baseball, mm-hmm. and I don't know baseball that well, but you're a big baseball guy. Huge baseball guy. Now, your team, obviously, I see. I see old school Cubs logo. You've you've got me pegged. So um, actually, I love. I I. It was one of the few actual baseball team hats I bought. I was in Chicago visiting a friend, and I bought a light blue, old Cub. You know the Cubs style logo, which I think is. I think it's the best logo, to be honest. I mean, well, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> so you came up here when was the first time you came up to rochester that was what like seven years ago yeah well, it was december of uh, 2012 was oh my, wow my first jaunt into rochester i followed my now wife up here she wanted to go to graduate school close to home she she grew up in the area went to high school in fairport and so you know i was young and in love and was like, you know, I'll move from Charleston, South Carolina to Rochester. Why not? <laughs> so, and, and at that point, Charleston was growing still. It wasn't quite the like 
Charleston is like one of the hottest cities in America quite yet, was it? Right. And um, that was my second stint in Charleston. I had originally moved there in 2004, was there for two years, moved back to Omaha, Nebraska, which I am originally from, and then moved back to, or back to Charleston probably about five years later from then. Okay. And Charles, and so, yeah, it's, yeah, so it's you been were... a slow uptick of popularity and growth and development, at least over that period of time. But then from the time I lived in Rochester to the third time I moved to Charleston, then it really just, it went crazy. And Charleston at that point being one of the absolute hottest cities in America. And this was right in the heart of the... Um, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but it was the the boom of the, you know, hipster cities, mm-hmm. which were like Charleston, South Carolina, and Savannah, Georgia, and Austin, and like Nashville. You could probably and Nashville for sure, and it was all those cities that just absolutely exploded in popularity, and Charleston was, you know, right near right at the forefront of that. Yeah, it's. The the amount of good food you could eat in that city is mind boggling, and I definitely took advantage of that when I was living there, which was great. Well, because it was at least when it popped on the national dining scene was, you know, was the Sean Brock and the Husk, and the and that place, which was the like, not to say it was the first of those that style of restaurant or whatever, because I don't know the scene that well, but on a national scale, he's what what opened a lot of people's eyes from a, if you just, you're a dining nerd and you follow it, he's what you heard of first was Sean Brock out of Charleston. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he did a couple shows on, I believe PBS. He was uh, featured on initially Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what caught the national attention. And that was when he was, I believe just at McCready's and they were doing, um, it was right before. Yeah. Yeah. Just a seated tastings, you know, seven seven eight nine course meals and then that that same restaurant group was about to open up husk and funnily enough i was a roommate with um, one of the original servers at husk so i was able to (laughs) get in on the ground floor with that (laughs) kind of see what everything was all about and we're talking they had all the resources they were they were partnering up with um, local um, grain companies that were basically revitalizing these old old school st- style corn and just and rice. You rice. Know, it was kind of mm. the and it's it's weird because we've you know it was very um, very trendy to talk about that at the time, being the you know this is this is the rebirth of you know heritage grains mm-hmm. when. You know, and we, we, we would say things, we would definitely say things differently now versus what we said then because it was, you know, it was the, it was the white guy in the South mm-hmm. bringing all these heritage grains that were grown by, you know, non-white people that lived in the area for a long time. A long, long time. And, you know, land being taken away from them, from everybody, and continuing, you know, those kind of things still going on today. And, you know someone like Sean Brock. And again, not to say it was a bad thing to do because bringing that to the forefront was 
influential in a very good way in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it was, oh, what a, what a visionary. And mm-hmm. except for all the people who had been doing that for a long time, you know, the, uh, uh, man, I'm, my knowledge of the region is limited, but, um, was it the, the Gullah, the Gullah people? Gull, yeah. Gullah Geechee. Right. Culture, cuisine. Yeah. That's, which been... a lot of that, a lot of the food that was being served in those restaurants that became super trendy was based very much based on those mm-hmm. cuisines. Um, and it wasn't, it's not that it wasn't brought up sometimes, but it wasn't the focus. It wasn't the focus of those discussions in a way that it definitely should have been. And it wasn't, it wasn't forgotten. It wasn't that. It's was just, it was the lionization of someone, even though some of the stories were told, it wasn't, it was often the Sean Brock story, not the story of the people where the food actually came from. Exactly. And, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was his fault by any means. Mm. Uh, he he definitely he definitely tried to you know give props where props were due at the time and continues to do so. Absolutely. But the obviously the national media was not following <laughs> in the, that that storyline. He he would always mention his uh, favorite restaurant in Charleston was a um, little, little place out. A literal shack called uh, Martha Lou's Kitchen it had maybe six, five to six tables in a cinder block rectangle, and it was just a classic um, meat and three, as they like to call it, where you just you get your your pork chop, fried chicken, whatever, and your three sides, and they send you on your way, and you are full and satisfied, and it is. He was right. It is. It was still, it was always one of my favorite restaurants in town too, but unfortunately closed down with uh, maybe not quite a year ago, but um, it's, I still have fond memories of that. There are uh, definitely some, some chefs in the Charleston area that really represent the uh, Gola Geechee cuisine quite well. Um, one of them's a good, good friend of mine, uh, BJ Dennis. He's a name that you can look up, and he's definitely in the forefront of of at least um, the face. I, w- I wouldn't. I mean, I guess I could. I could probably call him the face of the of the cuisine in at least in the Charleston area. Okay, no, that's cool, and it's it's weird. I I had no inter- I, had, I I try not to plan out any of the conversations that I have. <laughs> it's just a you know that stuff's always on the front of my front of my mind and thinking through the history of me watching all those shows and that was you know those were very influential in the way i thought about food as well um yeah just always part of the deal so you you were there for um you were there for a while you were you came up here and then you left after what five five uh, six years not even it was almost like two and a half years really I, was I, that short it was that short yeah jeez I left in, uh, I believe it was July of 2015. Okay. Um, found, when 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 we moved back to Rochester, we ended up getting married back in Charleston, kind of felt all those old familiar feelings and ended up moving back there. I got a a good uh, opportunity, job opportunity at a place that is still near and dear to my heart, uh, Edmonds Oast down in, down in Charleston. And they did everything to the nth degree and I feel that's kind of almost a 
it's almost exactly what we're trying to do at Strange Bird too. It's like they they're a brew pub. They brewed very interesting and esoteric beers. The food was crazy. They had a, like a giant wine program. It was everything. <laughs> just like they turned everything to eleven, and they're like, "All right, let's see how long we can keep this up." Oh, and that's that's cool because it's. I think it's taking the real ethos of what when the term um, not brew pub, but when when the term gastropub came into vogue, you know, however long ago that mm-hmm. was, and that was the original ethos of that was to really do everything as good as you could do it, and there's still places that really capture that and still work at that. And a lot of places just use the term because it's still somewhat trendy. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the ones that take it to heart that do it right. That still capture people's still capture their imagination. When you go there, I'm like, Oh wow. You did every, you thought about everything. And that that's why those places really became, you know, the fan favorites that they were. Yeah, absolutely. And and when I say say things like esoteric, I don't mean to sound like oh, it's only for a, a certain <laughs> certain person who can appreciate all these things. It's I feel like we we want to do these things so well that it's approachable for everyone and when someone's trying something new and kind of like, "Ooh, I don't know, I'm going to kind of getting out of my wheelhouse." I we're trying to make them have the best experience possible. And so when you're well-rounded like that, I really feel like you can take, you know, the biggest food critic who's been everywhere, tried everything and impress them. You know, that's, that's great and all, but to be able to do that with um, someone who would say is not the most, adventurous eater or drinker and they they walk away having a a great time as well i think that's that's the more important thing to do because you've just you've just made someone a i mean first of all very happy they they walked away satisfied but you kind of added to their repertoire of things they've tried and you've made them a you know a little little more adventurous for the next time too well and i think that's i think the the mentality that you're talking about is is how people can grow and not everybody has the nerd aspirations that i have when it comes to like i i need to know everything i need to know as much as i possibly can not not everybody has that aspiration but if you give them a great experience with something that they're familiar with the first time out, they're going to come back and they're going to want, they might want something different the next time. And you can take that quarter step because you treated your guest with, you treated your guest well the first time, you know, you treated them really well. You gave them an amazing experience and then they come back and they be like, Hey, I trust you. You know, I trust, (laughs) I trust that you're going to give me something good the next time. Like that's, that's got to be the goal, right? That's, and when you when you have the opportunity to then maybe share something a little bit different, and they trust you, like that's that's huge. I mean, you just let me 
pimp off a, Bel- a Belgian beer to you, even though <laughs> you know you don't like Belgian beers, but we've developed that str- trust over your time. <laughs> so speaking of which, we're going to take a very brief break so we can get our, uh, get our next sample, and then we'll finish up this episode of the Football Town Podcast. And we're back after our brief third break, third break, second break. We're on we our might third, third one. Yeah. So we're on our third sample and we caught a wild second guest for the end of the podcast. What's that in the bushes? <laughs> What's that in the bushes? It's a wild Jim Lake. It's a wild Jim Lake. How are you? Oh, we're doing okay. And we're here sampling Strange Bird beers which i'm sure you're happy to be tasting right now very yes i'm very excited (laughs) so jim is well renowned as a as a as a father as a uh as a beer enthusiast i like the beers (laughs) and a and uh and a somebody who's been in in and around the industry for a long time so we've had jim on the podcast in the past in other contexts but he's here he was coming over to do some other sampling so i figured well jim's here let's talk more beer (laughs) I love talking beer. So, Ian, what do we have in front of us right now? Right now we have the Strange Man, which is a collaboration with uh, Thin Man Brewing out of Buffalo. It is a black lager that we've added key lime juice, black lime powder, and black salt to. And so it's it's a very experimental beer. Which um, a lot of collaborations can be, and this one turned out to be just crazy wonderful. It's much like the uh, Bird Light that we had earlier in that it's a porch porch pounder. You can crush them in the hot, hot sun. It's, but I would almost describe it as like a pre-limed, like, Negra Modelo. Mm. But it's also, right, it's that, but it's also, it's definitely something you could enjoy. You could crush it on a hot day, but it's got a lot going on. <laughs> yes, like, this does. is this is truly excellent. And we were actually talking just before you showed up, Jim, when I was talking about my first beer experiences. Oh, yeah. And I think they were all with you. Hey. They're all with you and Ben. Yeah. Back at the University Joe Bean. Old school. And I think it was Anderson Valley Blood Orange goes was one of my first yeah. beers I ever had. Wow. There. And not that this is anything exactly like that, but this level of sour is so approachable. Yeah. This is sour and tart with that little salt, but that backbone of that dark malt. Yeah. But not at all like overly roasted. This is oh yeah, really fantastic. So by the way, this is one to shout out to my buddies over at the Beer Reviewed Journal. That was actually, we had done an episode and we talked about some sp- Strange Bird stuff in the past. So uh, shout out to, uh, shout out to McKenneth and uh, my buddy Matt over there. So it's, uh, they're doing great stuff. So if you're interested in more beer talk, definitely listen to them. But I know they've talked about these kind of you know, like black IPAs and stuff, they might really enjoy this. So I will pick up some and share with them because this is this is Damn. excellent. Yeah. Now I I enjoyed the 
the uh, the strange light or the bird light, <laughs> which was really pleasant. I didn't love the Cezanne, although it's really well executed. This is so up my alley. This is like I could see having a lot of these. Yeah, I could get in trouble with this. Um, I, t- I tend to save the best for last for you, Chris. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, this is this is so my 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 flavor happy spot. It's I'm I'm in that. Yeah, that was exactly what I was looking for. It was really delicious. Well, because I think that sour, like it's the exact right amount of sour. Yeah, like yeah. I know I know little, you and I can little bit of bitterness, yeah. like lime peel bitterness, and the salt like catches right on the end of it, and just this really pleasing way that goes from like bitter to salty. And I just, it makes me want to take like another sip and then another sip and then another sip. <laughs> and then I'm like, what, five or six in? It's, uh, <laughs> hmm. oh, because I could, I could really like this hits everything I like. And it's just, yeah, this, but this is, this ties back into that same ethos we were talking about. It's a little bit far afield, but what is it? It's a respectful of the classic styles. It's super well executed, very well balanced. But if somebody tries it, they're also going to say, oh, this is an interesting take on this. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty great place to live in the scale of things. You know, it's like nobody's sad to have had your thing, <laughs> and it has respect for what it is trying to do. Right, and yeah, it goes, goes back to our, our entire process is just like do it right, Make it make it a little fun if if you need to, but we're not we're not making beers just to make headlines, basically. Although, I mean, if you want to write some headlines about <laughs> us, go ahead, <laughs> feel free. But it's it's doing beer. The our motto is we brew beers that we that we want to drink, basically. I mean, can you really complain about that? No. But it's especially when you have that much vision in a place to make beers that you want to drink is like it's discreet. It makes sense. But I think that's if you don't have a vision, especially in such a crowded marketplace here in Rochester, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a message, like you're going to fall to the wayside. It's easy to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Yeah, that in a, I, I don't want to say crowded scene, because I feel everyone, everyone here has their own place and everyone is doing great things. But like, yeah, like you said, you want you don't want to necessarily do something to like stand out from the crowd. Something like crazy to do that, but if you have the ideas and you have the experience and you have the, the background and you just like have a, a vision just to like do what you think is right for the scene. Then I think if you're confident in it and just, you go, go with your gut and keep, keep brewing what you're brewing, then people will, basically follow follow behind because they see that confidence and your confidence breeds breeds confidence in the scene as a whole and you you're just a you're just kind of making it happen which is nice yeah well i think it's it's also kind of 
and again, this this is not a negative because I've from what I've tried to both of these places, I think they're both excellent. But of maybe the two two of the trendiest breweries in the entire country in the last five years have are Rochester based or have a second outpost in Rochester between other half and Mortalis. Mm-hmm. They're two of the hottest breweries in the entire country over the last five years. And you know, they've hit all the trends and it's, it's great. And there's nothing against that, but this is, yeah, this is, it's just a little bit of a different picture of, it's a different picture of beer. And I think like, if I taste this, this, this is what I want more than the, you know, big fruity stuff necessarily. Yeah. I think personally, this is is the like nicest, most interesting beer I think I've had since lockdown. Um, Ooh. it's, It's just, I'm, like I, I could be happy drinking nothing but this for a long time. This is really, really wonderful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is my very first sip of Strange Bird too. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm Start like, off. there's a whole brewery here. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Well, and this, yeah. So as we finish our samples, I'll have Ian actually pop off as you know he'll he'll finish off his sample and we'll um we'll go on to our last one because we've got we got four samples we today, do have which four. is which is awesome. Ooh, I'm coming in halfway. Mm. Oh, yeah. well, I was really happy I got Jim over today. Got the kids, got the kids to bed. Yeah, got the kids to bed. It was uh, fun times. <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually it's it's been nice. Um, I've had the excuse to bring in a couple of a uh, couple of my friends on um, on uh, doing some, you know, helping me out with. What we've been doing over on Curate, which has been fantastic. Yep, yep. Uh, Jim's been helping us out on that front, and it's man, it's been really nice seeing you again, buddy. It's I, been, I know, <laughs> it's been a long, it's been far too long. Curate is kind of a, it's kind of like my every two weeks I get like an hour and a half break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to just you know to just like run to a few doorsteps and drop off some really cool meals, uh, and it's it's been really nice to just have an excuse to get away and go out and do that it's been it's been my relaxing time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i actually i really enjoyed um i really enjoyed doing the delivery part yeah because i uh for curate i did you know uh we did our first uh you know six like five or six deliveries ourselves and it was i actually kind of enjoyed it i it was i never found it stressful i just like I zipped around and it yeah. was it was great. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I was surprised because I I was I thought I was going to hate it, <laughs> um, but I, I was really like generally I just I listened to podcasts and I stopped off and usually happy people that food showed up and yeah, yeah. you drive home and then you eat dinner. And it's not yeah. too bad. Only get chased by one dog maybe and you're good to go. <laughs> you 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 think you're a cartoon mailman at that point. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah. Oh, yeah. there it is. I haven't tasted it yet, but the nose is. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and say this has guava <laughs> and passion fruit in it. <laughs> You're uh, two for two so far. Is yeah. it? Is it pog? Is it passion orange and guava? You are correct. Wow. Yeah, oh, look, look at me. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> well, I mean, passion fruit is so huge on the nose, but yeah. it was softer than passion fruit, so. I did the logical deduction and assumed it might be guava because guava's yeah. got that musty juiciness to it. And that kind of reminded me of that. 
Um, so, and everybody likes saying pog. <laughs> <laughs> it's beer in pog form. Beer in pog form. <laughs> and also, like, and I think so few people, so we're we're old now <laughs> um we're old now pogs were a thing when i was when i was younger and the whole trend the whole thing this craze came from bottle caps of passion fruit orange and guava juice from hawaii correct that's correct yeah like that's wow. where the whole that's the term pog was it's a it's a shortening of passion fruit orange and guava which is and then it just turned into this whole thing. I did not know that. I knew it came from Hawaii. Yeah. Because um, I have relatives that live there. But I didn't I didn't know the connection to those That fruits. doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it was like the Hawaiian <laughs> you know? Five Alive, you know? <laughs> oh, wow. Man, that nose is crazy. Yeah. Yep, it's got <laughs> that, that is so fruity. Yeah, super fruity. A little bit of that fruit stank. Oh yeah, it's that that, that um, musky mm-hmm. like musky bo fruit stank. Yep, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is our uh, rainbow slipper. This was actually <laughs> one of our first beers that we put into cans. Although this the second time around we did <laughs> ramp up the fruit just a little bit more, and it is wow much. It was better for that now. When Ian's saying ramped up the fruit, this is still a this is still a very light bodied this is a high sour sour. This mm-hmm. is not like the last one we talked about was perfectly balanced. This is a sour for people who like sour. Mm-hmm. This is a sour beer. I think in a really great way, personally. In a great way, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love nasty sours. I think one of my first big sours was um um What's the one out of Vermont that's just uh, just crazy? Hermit Thrush. Oh, Ooh, yeah. yeah. It was are... Hermit Thrush, and then I think I had like a another place that was super high. It was like Mr. Blueberry or Mr. something. Or oh, other. yeah, that's... um. Oh, geez. Something <laughs> Road. Some, Highway Manor. Highway Manor. There something Road. Yeah, yeah that's super <laughs> sour stuff. Oh, my. Their, yeah, their stuff was just... They... Whew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It gives a shiver. It breaks the pH level, basically. <laughs> Does, yeah, yeah, and that's like the highest. This, but this is assertively sour. But when you talk about fruit, it's fruit in the balance of the net of the hard sour. But this is still a this is a light body clear beer. Mm-hmm. But it's very it's very fruity. It's very fruity. It's very nice. I actually uh, I usually don't like passion fruit beers. Um, passion fruit acidity tends to lean towards tomatoes. Mm. And I am a no thank you on tomatoes and tomato based products. Now, uh, to be fair, this just, does have a little bit of that. And yeah, but it's not too bad. It's, well, it's balanced too, with the yeah, rest of the pretty, fruit. It's very very balanced, and it's got to be that guava and that orange. It's got to be. Oh yeah, bringing it in there because if it wasn't for those two, I think I would be like, oh, this like, is pretty nice. Yeah. It's just not for me. Like, <laughs> uh, but I can drink. I can, I can drink a whole one of that. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think you've hit on. You've hit on my lane. <laughs> now, I, I love, you know, I love modern IPAs and I love that stuff, but I think sours may be my actual favorite because they're so, just so interesting. It offers a lot of room for experimentation as there's, well. There's a lot of paths you can go with sour. Yeah, because sours, there's so many categories within that single category too. You've got like kettle sour, which this is. So, you you know, you just institute the the different 
uh, bacterias and just it, it like instantly sours up within the fermentation process. Mm. You've got the, you, you can kind of like categorize them into like short sours and long sours. So like a long, a long sour would be something barrel aged that yeah. naturally ferments over time. Which assuredly we will be seeing some of that, some more of that from Strange Bird in the future. I, I imagine you would, you might see one or two of those in in the future. Yes. But oh yeah, wow. It's it's yeah. Sours are a wonderful wonderful addition to the the American beer market because years ago it you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to find anything close to this, and now just you get everything from left field to right field making something super tart or just something with, with a little little hint of acidity, then you can knock it out of the park on either end of those. Man, yeah, this is... And I think for both of the last two we talked about, I think these are really interesting food beers as well. Actually, I think all of them, to be honest, uh, I think all of them are really good food beers that we tasted. Because I think this would be a fascinating one to work a pairing into. Uh, the last one we had before this, the you know the the Thin Man collab is like a nearly perfect food beer because it's so balanced. This one actually is, would be a little bit of a stretch. I think you'd have to go something super rich, you know, like a like a Puerto Rican roast pork. Oh sure, kind yeah. of thing. Oh yeah, I think would go mm. really well with this. Yeah, you know, just to really slice through that harsh, fatty richness. Mm-hmm. I could see that working really well. Yeah. Yeah. And also that's that's why Saisons are great um pairing beers too, because of that that higher carbonation. And yeah. anything with with a, a large carbonation will help cut through those like fatty fatty yeah. foods as well. Yeah. Whew, man. I am absolutely loving this, this one. This is getting more and more interesting the more I sip at it too, which um you know, for like a, like a kettle sour is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think also it's warming up a little, which for a lot of, like you said, like a lot of sours, as they warm, sometimes they just kind of fall apart. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of um, sometimes when I'm, if I add water to water to spirits, sometimes it, you know, softens and brings different things to the surface. Sometimes they just completely collapse and become <laughs> nearly undrinkable. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, pl- don't, don't add ice to my... Oh no! What, what's uh, what's I had a I had a whiskey the other day that was just don't don't add any water to this because it, yeah like you said well just, some of them are perfectly as they are mm-hmm. yeah. but I think that's it's that that same kind of lesson that more is not always more <clears throat> sometimes more makes things completely collapse and turn terrible <laughs> because you know I could you know something like this I could see if you know something got out of balance. And even like I said, even though this is an aggressive sour, the fruit is in balance with the level of sour. Everything works. But if you had pushed one thing too far, let's say you pushed the orange too far. Well, the orange is going to ruin the balance of the rest of the thing. You're going to get a very different feel than you would if everything was properly ratioed. It all it all comes back to that, that ethos. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, this is nice. Man, this is really nice. <laughs> so, verdict is Strange Bird makes good beers. Got mm. it. 
Yes, please. Yeah. Beer out of beer. All <laughs> beers are good. <laughs> We're four for four, guys. No, I mean that's but that that's my to be honest, that's my expectation. And I know that that's a really that's a tough expectation for any brewery to have, but you know, I've been to breweries. Uh, I recall at some point Jim and I had gone to a brewery and we had sampled this was years ago. We had gone Ooh. to a brewery and we had sampled and I think we had one out of eight that was good. Oh, I remember this, yeah. And it was it was not a great tasting event, that not a great tasting we went to. Um but you know, it's when certain places pop up, I'm like, I expect everything to be good. <laughs> yeah. And that's but that that's a tough expectation to live up to as well when you have that much when you have that much going on. Yeah. Um, but I do have to say, for everything I've tasted so far, um, Strange Bird completely lives up to any hype you may have heard. So if you haven't had a chance to grab anything, Ian, how can people find Strange Bird right now and then say how they might be able to find stuff in the future? Well, we are always selling seven days a week out of the brewery. Nice little garage welcoming committee. How does the whole system work? So I know you can order online, right? You can order online. Absolutely. At strangebirdbeer.com. You can come up to our, come up to the garage. We've got all of the beers available. 18 right now as of this wow. Uh, recording. Wow. Wow. 18 different beers. So name all of them off the top <laughs> of your head. <laughs> we can, that, that sounds like a, a fun tongue twister down yeah. the line. So you can pre-order online. Can people come up and buy as well? Do mm-hmm. they? Ha- they don't have to order online. I know at first it was kind of necessary. Yeah, that, that was yeah. The first three weeks, all we were doing was just online ordering. But we finally settled on a a POS system. Things are working seamlessly right now, so you can jump in, grab your four pack to go, or. Or case, you know, I'm not I'm not limiting you to any any <laughs> any number of beers to take home. Okay, so I'm going to do a brief run through. So I'm not going to go through everything. So we've got that Salus that you had mentioned, uh, a blueberry lemon, infinite cosmos. That sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. A sour wit, um, modern hazy IPA, uh, another saison, strange man, which we had a uh, looks like a Hellas or Dahel. Where is that? Dehele, it's um, a Belgian single. Okay. So I'm sure you've heard of doubles and triples. Yes. This is the uh, the lowest on the tiers. Easy drinking. Dehele means all day. So it's something wonderful. you can <laughs> drink all day. Gotcha. Classic IPA, not quite a modern IPA. There is a Goza on, which I am raspberry and blackberries. Oh, Carrie is going to be all <laughs> over that. She <laughs> loves raspberry. We, we also just... It, did another stereo sound can today, and which is a blackberry cherry. Ooh. Oh yeah, see those those are right up our alley. We're, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll be all over that hazy double, which I mean you gotta have you gotta have hazy you gotta have oh. hazy doubles. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, West Coast. Oh, and you're still making your waking a West Coast, which is cool. Yeah, not super. I mean we we actually have a good selection of West Coast IPAs here in town. We we do. It's it's. I feel. The the wave is crashing again from the west coast. We're we're gonna we're Already? gonna see a lot oh, more man. places, just really hearkening on that style. Yeah, right. I mean, I remember like when I first 
when I was first getting into it, I was it was still chasing some of the crazy West Coast ones. Yeah, yeah. When I'd gone to um, place outside of San Francisco, Russian River, f- Russian River, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was fairly early. I'd gone to Russian River, and you yeah, know, you brought us a flyney. Yeah, that was good stuff. That was good stuff. That was very yeah. good. <laughs> um, but so, fruited sour wit, another hazy, barley wine, and then obviously barley doing wine. the. Um, you know, doing limited uh, bottle mm-hmm. releases as they come up as well. So mm-hmm. um, for all those, you definitely want to follow them on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter so you can see when releases pop up, whichever is your social media of choice, because some of those things will be pretty limited and will go quickly, especially on the bottle releases, I'm sure. For sure, yes. So follow them there. And with the obvious hope of being able to go in and hang out in person in the near future, if everybody does their part and gets vaccinated <laughs> and stays sane and follows the rules, uh, we'll be able to go and hang out in Strange Bird in person, have delicious food, and you'll be able to say hi to Ian in person as he's uh, hopefully actually bartending mm-hmm. in a real bartending sense and not yeah, just yeah. throwing beer out of a garage at people's cars. <laughs> <laughs> I usually make it in the window. Yeah. <laughs> at least one out of three times. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? One out of three gets you in the Hall of Fame, Ian. It does. <laughs> ba- three thirty-three batting average. You're yeah. You're you're definitely in the Hall of Fame all day. How all many right. how many baseball metaphors can I make in one podcast? <laughs> how many will I catch? <laughs> Hopefully enough to get you a Gold Glove, Jim, just like <laughs> you deserve. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on this episode and make sure you check out Strange Bird. It really is excellent stuff. And I think where we can see the brewing scene going in Rochester is we've hit trends, but this is mature vision based beer making and really couldn't recommend it highly enough. So Ian, thanks so much for coming over and letting me sample some and for telling us all about Strange Bird and hopefully we'll all get to see you in person very soon. Thanks for having me, and um, I will see you on the curling sheets. Indeed. Thanks, Jim. Hey, you know, always always here to drink your beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you, everybody.